Magic um, with Mog Morgan, who I believe is something of an expert and has written several books on it. Something I don't know that much about. Um, I'm interested in and I know a little bit about, but I'm hoping you can enlighten me with any questions. <laughs> I'm sure it's very rich and in-depth subject. So yeah, um, what, can, what, can you what can you tell us about your Egyptian magic? Um, the, the, the most recent books, uh, probably the most up-to-date thing, was the, the book I did that has just come out called... Um, so I can get a kind called Egyptian magic, which is right. what it is, right? It is what it is. I suppose I could say um, start start with the, with the title because I, I thought I'd call it Egyptian magic, which may, maybe doesn't seem such a innovative thing. But um, you see, but you know, you might say, "Oh, well, that's kind of a bit obvious in a way." But uh, but I, I kind of found found over the years that kind of, in a way, Egyptian stuff gets kind of missed out. It's just kind of what is the proverbial elephant in the room, really. But I suppose you you, you originally you said something maybe about Egyptian religion, um, and the strange thing is, Egyptians don't really have a word for religion. Um, I mean, they're, they're kind of there's one of the interests is they're so different in, in quite often in uh, from other people around them and other other cultures, but they don't have an obvious word for for religion. You can well, they, they probably get one right. They get eventually, you know, like everybody does uh, at um, at about the same time. But for most of their their development for thousands of years, they didn't really have a, a useful word like religion. But what they did have is this very clear word for magic they had a word for magic and so you could say if you wanted to think about what the egyptian religion might be you would say that it's 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 magic really that magic is 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 the word that they use far more than um, well as i say they don't use the word religion and, and magic is is definitely them it's kind of in every part of their life but it, it obviously has a more elevated status and a more ancient status in Egypt than perhaps we've come got used to in in, in the West. Um, although even that's kind of changed now because we've sort of rediscovered Egypt, um, you know, over the last hundred years or, or or so, one way or another. So we're kind of, and as we learn more about it, um, I mean, so there's this funny thing, you know. They say, so the scholars say, well, what they call magic in the in the West, even in the revival, the elements of sort of neo paganism, I think it's only an approximation to what Egyptians did. So, but then people read that and they think, ah, it was an approximation. So, what did they do then? And then people kind of take that on board and say, yeah, well, that's 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 kind of what we wanted to do, really. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good. Start. So I thought Egyptian magic is rather than calling this Egyptian religion, which would have been not very. See the term magic. I mean, well, they, they have, yeah. you know, that that's that they would understand that, and it would be doing them an injustice if we kind of sort yeah. of impose the idea of religion on them, which is a sort yeah. of a, of an artificial construct anyway. Well, um, uh, religion, you mean? Religion is the thing that. Some people say maybe this is going too far. The religion is it's a kind of thing that people cooked up, scholars cooked up as a way of studying certain things, right? A certain creation. But you kind of think, well, so you get this idea, well, I wonder if people in the past actually did sit down and think, ah, oh, what is my religion? You know, I've got to have a religion, you know. Like yeah, they, yeah. like we do now, right? The identity thing. We think everybody has to have a religion and they kind of ask you what what your religion is and everything like that. You think you assume everybody must always have been like that, but perhaps they didn't. Perhaps they, it's just they just live. You know, <laughs> this is the world they live in, and these things happen and those things happen. Well, uh, either that or it's a it's a post-religion kind of atheistic kind of thing where you can when once you've categorized something, you can look back upon it and sort of and it, it's in its dead stage when you've labeled it, and when they're living through it, they're just like they don't just, question it. Um, but it, like I know Egyptian religion lasted longer than I mean it's lasted so long and it was through all through those millennia. I remember reading the thing that fascinated me about it was how the various gods would um, switch roles and stuff. Like the Seth for a time became like the good god. Even I believe there was like 
you know, the, the, the chief deity would change and sort of rotate, but it, through it all, religion was never questioned. There wasn't like this um, well, material, materialist atheist. Okay, Sorry, Monia. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The, the magic is this, this impersonal amoral force, really, this almost right. natural thing uh, within the Egyptian way of looking at it, and everybody uses it. The gods, we learn it, I suppose, from, in terms of their mythology, it's something you learn from the gods, from observing the way they interact, which, again, is a kind of maybe a funny way of people could tend to think that we project things onto the gods, but actually sometimes we kind of, often when you look at history, you find that people learn things from the gods. So the gods practice magic, and and human beings sort of learn that from them, from, from yeah. the various points in the mythology and the sort of Egyptian way of looking at it. Um, and anybody can use it. It's it's not reserved for anybody. And it's whereas in the West we're used to this idea that say if you do something bad to someone, well you don't even have to do something bad to someone in some points in our history. We just use magic. Right? That's enough. That's that's bad enough. That's a sign that you've kind of done something wrong. That well, a lot, of, a lot of magic is kind of like there was a lot of evidence of people cursing each other and using magic. Um, is that like? You know, that's the part that pe that freaks people out a lot. I think, or you know, no, they certainly they certainly do bad things with it, right? But it's it's yeah. not the actual technology that gets punished in um, in in Egypt. It's it's what you do, right? It's what you do that matters, right? It's a sort right. of different way of looking. So obviously, there's a very famous record in um, in Egypt itself, a, a trial record that. Uh, is known from various papyri of people who were um, put on trial and executed, in fact, for for murder, right? For trying to kill the, the, the king. You okay. and in the course of trying to kill the king, they used a lot of magic. They they took all these special manuscripts from the the temple libraries, uh, which must have been quite you know it tells you they're quite effective stuff. And they used lots of magical techniques and drugs and all sorts of things as well in order to. It's called the harem conspiracy as well, right? It's, it sounds fantastic. I love it. Yeah, it's so nasty. This is dynasty, but in uh, in ancient Egypt. Yeah. Uh, Everything about that sounds, it sounds great. It's a good story, but let's say the people were came to a horrible end. Uh, well, I mean, they're going to end eventually, right? I mean, let's not. Caught, but actually, they did succeed. They, they did actually kill. This is Ramesses the third. Was actually killed. Uh, he was by them, or he would have his throat cut. Um, uh, which you know, they didn't use magic to cut his throat, right? They just they just did the normal things. But to get into the into the king's bedchamber and all this sort of stuff, that it's got quite obviously had guards and stuff, and they had to be over overpowered. Yeah. Uh, and magic was used to do that, uh, but in the end, it was just a, it was a straightforward murder within the family, really. Um, right, 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 right. Well, I mean, the, the, but they you can say that they abstractly, you know, if you a true practitioner, I would. I mean, you like you you have a you have a would you say you have a literal belief in this and the effect of this? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a practitioner. You are, yeah, yeah. A practitioner who likes to study it. So the, again, in the book was. I've heard, uh, you know, I did a combination of both things: the studying the history at various times and of various topics uh, over the years. And each time I did a topic, I thought, "Oh well, you know, that maybe they won't." Just to make it more interesting, or not to make it more interesting, say, "Well, what what is it that you could that might be useful, right, in in this if you're inter if you're a mind, right, to yeah. practice magic?" Because actually, it's true. An awful lot of magic uh, when you dig down. Actually, it does come from Egypt. You, you know, there's so many techniques that are yeah. common in magic that once you, you you discover them. So, yeah. So, but so one subject maybe I was studying, say, the god Set, which is a particular interest of mine, which you mentioned, and his yeah. history. And over the years, I, I always put this practical. So I kind of thought, well, when you put them all together, you know, and then these things that I've done. Plus, it, I suppose if you're a, a practitioner of and trying to revive the Egyptian magic, um, you know, you need you, you sort of dig out. The, you, you try and find these techniques and 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 pile them all together. So these are things that I've used. But you kind of uh, Egyptian magic is something that has to be done in a sort of cycle, if you like. It's something you 
you keep coming back to it. You do a ritual at a particular moment in the in the in the year, and you just do it, and it either works or it doesn't work. Or so whatever. this is related. This is related to your work on the. They have their own calendar. The Deca is it? Um, is that what I do. I, there are two. There are two sides to that. Yes, got, okay. the, two, but the other book is is the demonic, rather shocking title, right? The demonic calendar of ancient Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah. No. If if you're I kind of obviously came up, up through through the kind of Western mystery tradition and Western magical tradition and stuff. Okay. Um, and, you know, you kind of, you, 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 have, you, yeah, you have to, if you're trying to reconstruct an old, old system, you have to get some idea when they actually did things. And that actually turns out to be quite important as well, because it's, it's a sort of an approach to magic. You have to, it is about, to use a funny term, resonance. It is about kind of coming yep. back into tune with nature and the cycles of nature. So, and yep. it's not always obvious because this is a strange thing about Egyptian culture. Why, how, when they actually did these rituals and the, what moment in the year and why why it was important to do. So one of the tasks initially was, as you say, to reconstruct the standard ritual calendar of, of Egypt, which is, uh, which I've done, uh, or, and you, and then you have to use it and see if it works. You know, see, see, and and sort of adjust it. So I did, I did that aspect of it, but then there was again because partly a sort of sideline to the main ritual calendar was this very very interesting aspect of of magic, which is connected with the god Set, if you like, for all sorts of weird reasons. Which is what I call a demonic calendar, which is this cycle of uh, or the way they marked time, so you got the time, the great period of time, you know the stars and everything. But you have this sort of this star clock business that they develop, but also the idea that when a person is born, a particular entity comes into existence that attaches itself to that person. A sort of what in later times is called the the demon or the demon, if you like. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody's got a guardian spirit, if you like. Everybody's got yeah. one of those, and that's a very Egyptian idea. Yeah, um, yeah. And which people didn't weren't weren't completely didn't know that maybe, <laughs> or they'd forgotten that they assumed it was the Greeks who cooked up all this stuff. About well, I know the Greeks were heavily influenced, but I believe the Egyptians also had a. I read that there was an idea of a there was a three part kind of soul. There was like your actual soul, then there was the daemon, and then there was a, something, a third one, I think, that would, am I right? That was like a kind there's of like a, shade, a shade or a ghost. Sorry. Yeah, there's all sorts of complex bits, and there's a there's a kind of, there's a spirit that sort of continues. It's like there's the, there's the living, the dead, and the undead. Yeah. So there's this undead spirit which, uh, called called the Ak, which, uh, or the Ku in some traditions, Oh, that's the act. The act, right? I think, is it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Not, yeah. not, not to be confused with Ank. It's this yeah, is yeah. Ak. It's, uh, it's got a funny to, uh, sound to it, right? Because it's related to birds, strangely enough, because this is the sound a particular bird makes. Well, birds it's, are related to death even still in Western tradition. You think there's, you know, people say if a bird flies in the house, it's. Well, exactly, you know, and, you know, the stork delivering the baby, that's the kind of, mm -hmm. the, the idea of bird oracles and of birds as some, because birds travel long distances and they come and go, right? So obviously we're in our disenchanted times, we don't, we just, oh, well, so what, you know, big deal. But, um, but right. the idea of this bird that turned up every now and again at a particular moment uh, and it made this strange sound, uh, connected it with the idea of spirits and there's a familiar idea in folklore in western that the spirits that birds are somehow the spirits of the dead um yeah especially amongst mariners and stuff but yeah. anyway these these so you have this these spirits that come and so there's a kind of cycle to that so that was the you know put it shortly why i came up with a demonic kind of because people wanted to know more about it um you were, you were being intentionally scandalous were you able to uh <laughs> You didn't mean Damon in the, the third. You want to know who their guardian spirit is, right? From, <laughs> yeah, the Damon, yeah. E A E M O. This might be, if anything, you know. So yeah, I sorry, can I, can I ask you what's that um, flag behind you there? The symbol on the wall? Or is there there's something behind you? 
Which symbol? Oh, that is it a window? Jesus, the I don't know. Thing, the Stonehenge thing, is it? Or what is it? Well, you know, um, I know it kind of looks like Stonehenge, doesn't it? It looks like a trilithon, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. I mean, again, this is the kind of strange thing about the Egyptian culture. It's also a megalithic culture. Yeah, it right. deals with big stones um, and geomancy and all the rest. So it's actually uh, based on a thing, very important image that I use a lot, uh, called, uh, it's actually called a false door, um, it, or it's translated as a false door. Um, it's a spirit door, if you like. And right. spirit right. doors, again, that's another thing you find all over the place that we kind of use. You get them in... Neolithic uh, chamber tombs and stuff. You have spirit yeah. doors for people to yeah. get. And the, the, the Egyptians, they were into that kind of thing as well. So it's right. it's a representation of a spirit door. Okay, so it's your own sort of. Is it like a logo you you use, or is it your own invention? Okay. It's more like a kind of a device. Uh, it's like star. You know, it's like Stargate or something. You no, know, it's. Well, it reminds me of um, a, friend, a friend and I. A friend, a friend and I go up, and we sometimes drink at a at a portal, not a passage tomb, but a a portal tomb near here, Neolithic. Yeah. You know, an old king was buried or whatever. It's semi collapsed, but um, the fact that it's called a portal tomb, whenever when you look when you look through it, I always picture it like that, where like you're passing, you pass under the lintel, and you're going into another world or something. Not you know. So, uh, the portal tombs. Which you kind of find all over the world. It's kind of weird. That idea you've got the dead and then you've got the living who turn up and have a yeah. drink or whatever. And then you have a portal, which yeah. you couldn't you couldn't actually have got the body through some of them. They're kind of quite small things. Um, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's not that people think, Oh, well, that must have been where they how they pushed a the body in or something, but it's obviously not. But it's just yeah. a hole so you can see into the tomb. So you, you would say you think the Egyptians are that link to that ancient lost Neolithic culture, would you? Absolutely. I think I think they have the same idea that the, the tombs are designed in a very, very similar way, with often the same orientation yeah. of a body in a tomb and a structure, a place outside where the living can gather to communicate with the with the dead. And the the mo the thing that you communicate with is by a a portal by a door of one sort or another, and, and this is my representative. It looked some of them actually they do. It is based on the, an Egyptian model. Yeah, but it's strange when you break it down. Uh, when you when you make the thing, you know, you sort of in this abstract work, you kind of brings out memories of other portals that look like that, you know, and I think that's yeah. not. Not coincidence. It's good, it's good that you have the little one inside the big one. It gives the idea that you're yeah. uh, eternity. Well, uh, in, in some, they also have them in temples, by the way. Uh, in some of the temple structures, they have the space, the holiest holies where the deity lives. Well, you've, um, been to, you, you've been to Egypt. I've never been to Egypt. I've been dying to go, but uh, I'm sure you've been, yes? In, yeah, you've been inside the pyramids. And, and all the, the pyramids, indeed. Yeah, uh, but I, I know when you were saying earlier about how magic was so important to them, I know from even when you read, because I've read, I've tried, I'm not, I did read it, but I don't know how much I, I from when I read the Egyptian Book of the Dead, there's the parts mm -hmm. of it I absorbed, which was most notably that you, they were good, even after death, they were continuing to use magic to survive in the next world. They had to remember the sort of songs and spells in, in from their real life if they wanted to get over these certain parts. and. And also, what you said, you said the something in reference to their judgment of their lives. You know, it's not how you said it's not the machinations of magic; it's how they use it or whatever. They're, one of their main things was uh, honesty. When they're yeah, yeah, yes, and the negative confession, which is a very, very yeah, or community-based way of approaching morality than than ours. It's community much yeah, more. Even, I, I wouldn't even. I'd say that's individ even individually. Honesty is really one of the most important things. Like that's kind of lost. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so the simple thing is, you have to be able to say, hand on heart, really, literally speaking, because the heart is kind of accumulates all this crap, really. If you're not careful, that you haven't made things worse for everybody else. I have not made the world a worse place for everybody else. <laughs> right? And then that strikes me as being 
not so bad really that's quite a good ideal isn't it you know whatever you have to face the you have to judge yourself and then face the later judgment you know however you affect the world you do have to work towards i, I do believe say i believe the forces in the world the gods or whatever want you to be in, a, in in the extreme of whatever personality they set you up with to work at what you say you're you're working hard at reviving G egyptian magic and uh, you know i do my bizarre things whatever you should do it to be the most of utmost of your personal eccentricity and you know work hard at it but i i do think that the final judgment is totally per like there are you do you do think of it like you say as in terms of helping your community or helping the world but there's a per there's an honesty that you know you've, you've committed or not committed that's entirely personal just it, it as an individual and i just think of it when i see when i think of the scales being weighed what do they weigh it with a feather they weigh your heart with a feather or something the way your heart, heart in the scales uh, against a, a, a feather of, of an ostrich feather, in fact, of the goddess Mart, which, who of equipoise. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it can, psychologically, it makes sense, really, um, that so much of so much of the way we kind of feel it, it is it is expressed in the in the organ in the heart organ. You know, we feel it there. Uh, and the idea that you you know that if you feel wrong about something, uh, even if you try and lie or whatever and, and deny something, somehow the heart will catch you out. If you're yeah, it's the heart is the heart that you feel the when you when you feel like you're in love or you're you know you're you can't really stand there and say, and say hand on heart, you know, and you can see this whole claggy thing comes out and say, well, look at all the crap that you've done. It's on that sort of level, really. Um, well, I just, I just like that the the main thing was honesty. Even if you've done certain this and that, what the main uh, from what I got from the Book of the Dead was honesty was the chief thing that you mm -hmm. were honest. You know, and that's. Well, you know, I can say something about that. That you see, the Book of the Book of the Dead is a very famous book, but it's difficult to it's difficult to work work with in some ways. It's kind of a bit tricky, and there are other books that are not so well known. Um, which are called books of the underworld of which it is one as well but they're clearly like the book of gates which i mentioned which are really for the living uh okay. they're guides for the living they're sort of initiation guides really um in which you're preparing for that moment of death and these these books were not very again not very well known at the time that the famous books of the dead kind of got circulated because they only assisted in certain reserved places uh and they weren't translated they were on the walls of certain types of tombs as a very special thing and it these are part of a a mystery cult really that existed in in ancient egypt and this is the process of initiation is learning this text which is a bit shorter than the the so you've got the book of gates and the uh, so you've got the amdua which is the sort of book of knowledge really right. uh, and there are others and this you learn this this is what this, this, but certainly in the process of initiation, which is an ordeal, yeah. um, you you you're going to need right the, the, this book to guide you through, and it's it is it takes you on what's called the night journey. Right. Again, it's a very ancient sort of Egyptian technique, and you know connects with things like shamanism and all the rest. You prepare for this as a living person for yeah. the the night journey and the. These take, I gave an example of one of those uh, of the book of a shortened version. Well, it's not short. It's a sort of poetic version of the book of Gates, but some of them are, are very much longer. But uh, yeah, no, they're part of the magic as well. But uh, say so, so it's the important thing is taking the emphasis on just the moment of death. We're saying this is something that happens in life for certain people for initiates. This is controversial, incidentally. Some people don't believe right that there was a mystery cult if you like or a cult of magic in uh assisting in in pharaonic egypt but uh why, really? why would they who, for what reason would they object to that i suppose look you know obviously egypt is so romanticized um and you know it's always been the subject the land of ancient promise if you like so may maybe they say well there wasn't much evidence for that uh but then the evidence they, they object to it for some kind of moral reason they want to think of it as not i mean it's not i don't there was obviously different cults and there was always initiation different cults and different people member 
number of different religions. Mm. But you're talking about something else now. You're talking about a kind of an actual training in in the in the arts of magic, but in a sort of mystery cults. And the thing about the mystery cults from the ancient world is that their secrets were very well preserved. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, exactly. You don't know them, right? The Greek mystery cults, you don't really know what they, uh, what you know they existed, but you don't really know what went on very much. It's such a shame, um, isn't it? Like, that's so upsetting to me. <laughs> I wish it, maybe, maybe, you know, you can find a book and it's it's hidden somewhere still, but yeah, that's... that's As I say, the evidence is, is, is there, you know, it's not... Uh, uh, incontrovertible but if you piece it all together and you kind of look at the idea that the these uh books of the underworld are probably related to that and there are sections of temples that seem to be set aside for certainly for the study of a, a of what yeah. were ancient books for them you know these, these are like the oldest books in in humanity so what one thing is plaguing me, which you started out with, which I didn't expect, which was talking about how they didn't have a word for religion or concept of it. Yeah, I know. It's such a useful word as well. <laughs> yeah. So it's like when you, I know, I know when you create, you can create things by creating a word for them. I know this already. This is how you play word games uh, with reality. You create a concept and you label something as it fairly or unfairly. And you, you, in a way you have, have made a new thing. So, would you say they didn't have a concept of it because they could not be divorced from because their identity was already so archaic and old and you know successful and revered that it was impossible for them to think outside of or I mean, you know I there's no I, I can ask you this but you I know it's tricky it's a tricky one I well they they, they obviously didn't it's it's up for the Greeks to come up with this idea of religion as something that binds people together. Uh, you can say they have, or the, the names they have for the gods, yeah, that would be the label. They so, the names and they have priests, and they have, um, they have, I mean, look, this is other weird thing. People try and make a distinction between magic and religion, right? Take that one, there's a good one, right? They say, Oh, magic is this, and religion is that. So, this is how they use the term religion, okay, uh, in study, but. Because uh, all falls apart when you look at the Egyptian system because they worship a god of magic, literally the god of magic. They worship who's got Mecca, right? Which is he okay. is a god. So, you know, you've got religion, magic are the same thing, if you like. So, if you're going to have the concept because it is kind of useful, well, um, even, uh, even, even say Christians, they have you know, they perform exorcisms and things, you know, that's like magic, really. They may they may want to label the word magic as taboo, but they're they do. They just uh, they probably don't like to admit that. <laughs> they, probably <laughs> like, they probably don't like to admit that um, that they that they're practicing magic. They call it something else. Yeah, and even when they're praying for something, even when you're praying for something, it's like it's but kind of you long enough, you know, obviously there's a crossover between the the Pharaonic religion and the early Christianity in the Coptic church, which yeah. is a very old old church. And it's obvious they're using the same buildings uh, for for Coptic churches. So a lot of Egyptian temples get converted into, into churches. Um, okay. But there's a process. Our process has to take place first. Um, but, but which you would might just say, oh, they're going to deconsecrate it. But it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, they're obviously using magic to change the space. You know, they, they understand the magical system quite well. Um, so you can actually learn in this sort of, given that it's difficult to know these things, learn quite a lot from the, the way the people who were supposed to be anti-magic came along. But yeah, the Cop Coptic people practiced magic for many hundreds of years and there's loads of useful sources there. But at the same time, they're trying to distance themselves from as often people did, right from from the from the pagan world. Um, yes, yeah. they they were why the Egyptian language gets lost, if you like, because people using Egyptian languages is, is uh, and hieroglyphs is associated with magic and paganism. Uh, so they kind of stop using it, right? They well, we're not actually. We should. Yeah. Funny enough, it's the same as the. 
as the early Judaism, the, the Ten Commandments, it's using the Ten Commandments or whatever, this like they define themselves as not Egyptian. You know, it's very because they come from Egypt and they're full. They had, up, they had a real hang up about the Egyptians in that book. So well, I mean, they specifically say you mustn't make any images. I believe, I believe I believe Egypt is the word mentioned more. I, I think I read that once. Egypt is the word mentioned the most times, and like it's all negatively, like you know, fuck these Egyptians. They're <laughs> it's you know. not all completely negative. It's not all negative, right? Because, well, maybe not. No, but I mean, well, I thought it was maybe the Pharaoh and stuff like that. You know, took took the early Hebrews in. Well, are um, you do you uh, are you do you hold on to some Christian belief yourself, or do you have some sort of well, no, uh, <laughs> but I respect that, you know, and uh, I come from a Christian background, I suppose you might be. Might be well, we all come from that, yeah. Yeah, well, so, um, so I'm not, you know, I'm respectful about that, and uh, I find it very useful and interesting and, and wonderful in its, in its own way, of course, but no, I, I'm not, not really a practitioner of Christianity, but I'm kind of... It's, it's certainly interesting the relationship between how one grows from the other. I just don't find it resonates. I have never found that it resonates with me, even though I was raised with it. I mean, certain things of it are kind of kind of interesting, but I've never felt the excitement over it that I would feel over Egyptian or Greek or other other um, what do you call them? You know, not religion, but you know, other myths or backgrounds or whatever. It's even though it, it's just something about it. I don't. I don't know what or why, but. But you you live in. I live in Ireland, but I'm from Canada. I grew up in Canada. Oh, you're from Canada, but do you have an Irish background? I'm not only saying no, Irish, reputation. You know, one way or another. I, uh, I have a, a reputation. Is that what you're saying? What? Ireland has a reputation for being very just. Well, they do, but they're also very pagan in bizarre ways. Like they, you know. They may be very Catholic, but they also, you know, um, would be very, there would be a, 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 at all times a sort of quasi-literal belief in the fairies, where they'd be like a little bit worried about doing certain things and, you know, it's, you know. Like there you go. Well, this is, they say that, you see, you didn't, Ireland didn't have the kind of witch trials that they had in England. Oh, they did. No, there was some witches, the last witch uh, that was ever killed. Not very much. Not, very much. No, not, it's not like a Puritan kind of, no, but there maybe was. Handful of different things, and that, and some people theorize that's got something to do with the fairy faith in in Ireland. That well, it kind of stops people going because you've got a different way of looking at it. You don't have this kind of evil witch model. You have this evil eye model, um, yeah. which in a way you can't help that. You know, if the, these sort of things just happen. Isn't there, isn't there even like a, an ancient sort of Celtic Egyptian uh, link of some kind? Supposedly, I mean, I've heard about this now and then, but. If, yeah. if well, if you go to is it Dingle or whatever, is it Dingle on the west coast of Ireland? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where there's lots of Neolithic things. Which I've been, I went on a cycling holiday there once. Okay. And go visit all these Neolithic things uh, uh, along the coast there, along the peninsula. Yeah. And reading the the board, and it <laughs> it will say, you know, that there's a link here between these things and Egypt and you think, God, it's it's not, but there is, there's funny enough, there is something connected. There is, there's, there, there are connections, uh, maybe not, well, who knows how old that is. The, the Bishop's Crozier in the, in the Catholic Church, the old version, is exactly the same as the Coptic one. Um, so it's quite likely, I think, given how, how, the Celtic Church was so kind of had these connections all over the place that Coptic Christians and experts came to Ireland at some point. So there's one connection. Yeah. Um, the rigging and also in terms of maritime trade, the rigging of certain types of vessels that you get in Dingle, small boats and stuff, is exactly the same as the uh, the rigging on Egyptian. On the Egyptian Dow that you see on the on the Nile. Really, now, I didn't know. Yeah, that. that is a weird connection. I don't know. And there's other ones I know of. I know I that you're not mentioning any of the ones that I knew about that I can't oh, bring. Right. My, 
speech. There was some old, um, I read something or other, uh, like, and more than once I read something with uh, old songs or something, or myths. Was it the myth of the, um, something with giants even, a very extremely similar myth that was, a, like, suggested it was, oh, I don't know, I can't remember now. Well, that's I, a good, I'm going to write that, because, you know, I've got to, I got asked that there's a conference coming up on the Nephilim, and, uh, which is something that these giants, giants in the Bible, um, yeah. and someone said, can you, is there anything you can say about from, from an Egyptian perspective about the Nephilim? And uh, I thought, I don't know, really. But uh, <laughs> So I looked into it, and there it is. They're kind of, you know, it, it wouldn't be such a strange idea to think that the idea of the Nephilim, these giants, okay, yeah, and the right. Middle Giants, has a very strong Egyptian connection. Yeah. So I'm not going to blow all the material in one go. But so, yeah, no, I'm going to. So the idea of the giants yeah, yeah. In, in Irish myth, um, having an Egyptian, you know, that's that's uh, that's going to be a great area for um, for research because yeah, they they, have, they definitely have giants in um, in Egyptian myth. I came across it, I believe, when I was looking up the myth of the um, what's it called the Sleeping King myth. You know, the um, there's a Greek version and there's the there's the version to do with uh, um, is it. Frederick Barbarossa and uh, the, there's the, the Sleeping King. It's very ancient in it. There's a Celtic version. There's a Scottish version and an Irish oh. version. I think it was something to do with that where there's in the Scottish version, there's is it seven giants are sleeping in it. In the Greek version, it's like Kronos is asleep on an island. Right. And he's going to wake up one day. Well, right? You know? <laughs> and in the, the Scottish version where there's like seven giants, but they're asleep. Yeah. And uh, you come into them, people wake them every now and again, and they say, has this happened yet? Has this happened yet? Then forget it, we're going back to sleep. Or something to this, to this effect. And they're waiting for a certain time to, that's going to come, and they'll wake up. Right. right. Well, so uh, some, it, was, it was something in, re in relation to that. It's amazing. I kind of, there's a synchronicity. I think that's another. There, uh, you would find in very, very deep Egyptian myth, uh, because obviously around for a long time, yeah, you would you would find these right at the end of Egypt when they kind of realise that something's coming, you know, the Roman Empire and then the Christianity. They know the end is coming. Um, yeah. the, you know, because the world's just too complicated and too dangerous, and everybody's better at fighting in the end than they are. Well, it so, seems like, it seems so, like so they know it's, it's going to come to an end, and yeah. uh, sort of things out, and. But Romans are still paying for them to make these temples and stuff for a little yeah. while longer. So the stuff they stick on those late temples is actually the most the oldest stuff. They said, "Oh, let's put us reserve the oldest stuff first. Right. Uh, the oldest myths, the very uh, first stories of humanity, put on these temples. Maybe they would put other stuff on, and that would be the sort of place that you would find a myth of the seven watchers, really." Yeah, uh, who have this role to play in in the at the beginning of time? Right. So I think, yeah, I think these myths could, you know, the Irish stuff. Whether they get one from the other, they, a lot of stuff does come directly from Egypt because uh, they had this reputation of being uh, for magic, yeah. and so people kind of tend to learn stuff from them. Plus, they're good at medicine and things like that, and that kind of gets you around, gets you along. Fantastic science and fantastic everything, like. Where they are, they statecraft. They were masters of statecraft, and they never lost it. That's what amazes me is how they, even when they were taken over by an outside parties for period, different periods, there was groups that raided and like became the new pharaohs, but they didn't really change the place. The religion kind of stayed, and eventually they were just ousted, and like Egypt continued. Those various, just the way they could go last for so long, thousands of years. They found a way to come back somewhere, back door through some. Or whatever. Uh, so, would you say the cop? So, if you've been there and you've you sound like you've sort of studied the cops a bit, would are they in, in, in any way a sort of inheritor of of what went on before at all? Or are they just yeah, no? There, there are lots of what I guess one of the things I study a lot of is the thing called archaeological memory and memories and stuff. 
Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's always very interesting to see which bits of the Ferionic culture, once you know what you're looking for, uh, might have survived into the contemporary world. Uh, and there are yeah, there's loads of stuff that we could talk about, but probably shouldn't. But one of the things that particularly interests me, not so much in the Coptic world, or it would be, it has to be said that Egyptian religion and magic and stuff is very inclusive. Right? There's, as I say, they don't have these great barriers between identities, really. But but there's a, I suppose what you were talking about, there's an exorcism cult. It's called an exorcism cult. When people first, in, in that still survives in, in, in Egypt, is still practiced, and you can... You can go and see this. I mean, to give you, this is, when it was first recognized by Western travelers in Egypt, they were very disparaging about it. And they said, oh, I've, I've discovered black magic in Egypt. This, this is, either it's gibberish, right? That's the other thing. Or I've discovered black magic amongst the Muslims of Egypt. But in fact, it's not just the Muslims, it's everybody. It's all, all the different faiths kind of work together. And, it isn't black magic as such, but you can see why it might. It's shamanic and it was a folk tradition that lasted some time. It's a folk tradition in which they use some of the same, the, the same songs, the same music, and the same techniques. It, that is, is, it still, is it still there now? Do you know? I, it's, I'm, still there, it's still there now. Whether it will be there for much longer is difficult to say. Oh, really? Um, what are they succumbing to now? Athe are they succumbing to consumerism and atheism? Is it, or is that what's going to kill it finally? <laughs> It's difficult to say. Say you've got to be political about it. You're not to be too political, but you've got the sort of trade guilds, if you like, of different traditions, uh, different skills, yeah. and sometimes political politicians they don't like the, those sort of structures. So actually, the Tsar people have managed to escape this called the Tsar, right, which means a uh, visitation. In, in Arabic, um, okay. they managed to survive, whereas all the other guilds and specialist crafts and uh, folk traditions have sort of been died out. I mean, or there's snobbery as well. You weren't allowed, right, in the uh, Egyptian Musical Academy, you weren't allowed to study traditional music. You could study classical Arabic music, but the folk music uh, and stuff, you, you couldn't get... A, you couldn't go to the academy and study as a musician and play some of these instruments and oh, uh, some of these songs because it was the, the certain social class say, well, you know, that's too snobby. I mean, it's almost like you couldn't even wear the clothes. You can't, it's a snobbery, but you'd have to wear the Western suit and be very sensible. So with all these difficulties, I mean, it's part of the reason why they're reaching out to the West, I think, uh, to, to and making synthesis of this stuff, whether it will survive, but because you know sometimes when you go and see these rituals, which <laughs> which you can do, uh, the, some of the people I should, I, mean, I, I don't want to talk, but they're getting the the there's not many they're getting a bit older, right? Um, put it that way. There's not there's not a there's not a there's not a new generation going to be. Right? Where's the young people who know how to play this? Some, there must be some. There's got to be. If if you and I, I mean, I, I'm not young either, but I can see online and such. There's kind of a pagan resurgence um, there. There's got to be one in Egypt too, of sorts. No, you would think, or is it really suppressed to the point? Yeah, no, it's there. there's a folk. There's a folk tradition. There's a yeah. No, there's plenty of magic there, and there are different traditions and stuff. It, any tradition you go to now, you go to a Sufi concert. Uh, or people doing uh, dervishes, they got their own tradition of, of uh, dervishes of uh, yeah. turning uh, Egyptian. What, what, is that like uh, what's the hat you're wearing there? Is that just your own hat, or is that some? Is that it's just traditional hat? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a fancy. Yeah, no. Well, there you go. That's like a dervish hat. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Go to Egypt and see them. They're quite extraordinary. They, they do say that the traditions that they're practicing are pharaonic. They come oh, from Egypt. That the, the dervish tradition. So rather than say ancient Egypt all the time, I'm saying pharaonic culture, the culture before Christianity, all yeah. of the folk traditions that exist now, uh, you'll see, will all be no longer worried about saying we trace our tradition. 
and some of the techniques to the Ferionic culture. And that's not just opposed. That is true, I think, that, that, there's the, that they're even playing the same instruments. You can go into Cairo to a concert, seeing someone playing the Ferionic harp, and go into the museum and see exactly the same instrument. Um, that's cool. So that's the folk tradition is the way a lot of this stuff has, has survived. Um, or sometimes within the Muslim tradition itself, some of the festivals that they celebrate throughout the year in some of these places, because quite often the temples, it's Pharaonic temples, Egyptian temples have a mosque inside them. But some of the rituals they do, don't, they're not very typically what you would associate with, uh, with Islam, to be honest. Um, they are, though. I mean, they're completely uh, legitimate things and much more i suppose you're talking about the sufi tradition well, right. if, they feel, if they have to adapt them i guess you know because i believe you know there's this one thing that's true and that heraclitus got right is that change is a fact of life that the gods want and you have to things have to change if there's no change things don't move and are static so you do have to kind of change you know what i mean like even though you at the same time there's a duality where you have to hold on to eternal principles and respect <laughs> tradition and reach for that for everything you don't also have to not be all, uh, you know, overly, um, uh, what's the word, overly stiff about change. You have to realize it's going to happen. But not to say that that means you, you know, if, they're, if they've adapted, but yet they're, as you say, they have a unique culture because of a unique adaptation trying to be what they are now and respecting the old. Like, that wouldn't bother me so much. But go on. Sorry, I don't well, uh, from our point of view as well as Westerners, maybe I assume interested in reconstructing this, remaking uh, this uh, ancient pagan religion, which we think is valuable, uh, which it is, uh, then the things that people do, uh, this is how this is the way in. You want to know how Egyptian ritual was done? This is. It's yeah. still being practiced, but it's just you never recognized it. You didn't realize you expected to be like Hollywood reenactment or yeah. the Golden Dawn type. You expect Eel Brenner to be there with the. You don't expect it to be this kind of wild shamanic stuff in which, which, in which mixed groups are kind of doing all sorts of crazy magic and stuff. It's more like. It looks more like voodoo a lot of it. Well, if, it's genuine, if it's genuine, I expect it to be unexpected and to be. Um, have that a principle of um ex entirely what you not just unexpected but something that something that's even ill-fitting is involved that you would just never even guess would be there then it would be feel if, if it's some kind of like american disney uh, fully fully expected with a happy ending thing you know then it's false <laughs> if if that makes any sense well, I, I, say, I, I, I love all those hollywood things but i mean I, maybe that's the same in western magic that there, there was a certain idea, right? When I first got involved with magic, they had this thing called the Golden Dawn, uh, which was this kind of Victorian occult society. Oh, is that where that, that's where you started, was it? Alistair Crowley and the Golden Dawn? Yeah, absolutely. And um, but there was a certain view about how this how this went, really. How how this is, which I'm not knocking it. Right, it's obviously part of it, but how would you know otherwise? Right, you know, it would be so, which is very theatrical, uh, like a mystery play in a way. Um, and yeah. you know, so and and some of that was also influenced by the way in popular culture in the movies and stuff from Egypt, the way they they decide, I don't know which comes first, how they decide the ritual would have been the. the the religion, if you like, that you want to use, how that actually would have functioned. And these things feed each other, so you get this idea, oh, it looked a certain way. Uh, and then the, because people are a little bit puritanical, anything that doesn't quite fit in with that, you know, that involves a lot of alcohol, for instance, or a lot of drugs or a lot of sex, um, that those things are saying, oh, that, that must be an aberration in some way. Yeah, okay. I, I myself as you have to give up something that you want and you have to be uh, be put at odds put at inconvenience and feel a tiny modicum of suffering if you're doing something that is short <laughs> uh, that's what I think and even like it was it was reinforced to me because I had somebody recently about let me, 
Dave, like, like, like a pleasure, you know. One way or yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was asking somebody recently oh, about that's, that's their thing. I'm sorry, I'm talking but, over you. I missed you. Well, I couldn't even hear what you said. Sorry, I was trying to talk at the same time. <laughs> but I was, I was talking to somebody who was a uh, what's uh, very interested recently in uh, Japanese. Um, what's it called again? Um, the Japanese religion. Uh, Jesus, I can't remember the name. Oh, the, the where they worship the kami, the um, the kami. Shinto, Shinto. Shinto. So they do. They leave every day. They leave. Um, ideally, anyways, a bit of salt, uh, and a bit of rice, and it has to be changed every day for the uh, spirits, right? So, and that, it, that's like the the whole principle right there of leaving something, even if you're starving or something, you don't forget to leave your bit of salt and your bit of rice, right? Like that kind of what to observe to show observance to these powers, you have to sacrifice a little bit of something that you want, and that's the main thing is that you are. We have to feed the spirits. Yeah, it can't just be something that you have access of and you don't give, you don't care about. It should be something that you, you know, it's it slightly pains you to, to give up. I think that's how, it well, works. and that, that leads to the idea of like even leaving a bit of, of cutting yourself or leaving a bit of blood, even though that's you know I don't want to get into that kind of thing. Although you do say in one of your books, I believe I read you uh, openly talk about Egyptian uh, human sacrifice, and I saw something about decapitation and cannibalism or something. What, what was that? What was that? We should talk You're about that. <laughs> <laughs> not, not exactly. Honestly, look, you go back home and up in, in any culture, you'll find, especially in conflict zones when they're at war, that um, there's there's human sacrifice. But it's not human sacrifice that was the. There's the. You go back long enough, you go back to the Neolithic it, it, the, in connection with. Funeral. The surprising thing, right, about funeral rites is sometimes they involve what you would call ritual cannibalism, if you like, but ritual in the sense of a symbolic eating of the person. So you haven't killed the person, but there's some sort of partaking of there's some aspect of food to do with 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 the dead. I mean, oh, right. yeah. I was saying you've got a week, right? Well, that's a weird thing. Sometimes they even... That, that, that exists in the Christian church. In the Christian church, when you take the, the host, it's kind of the same thing, right? That's you, probably... Yeah, exactly. It's, that's the model, right? So over time, that model, that because a lot of ritual originates in the funeral rites, in the things that people do when someone has died, right. over time, people find ways to turn that more into a metaphor, if you like. Um, yeah. But still, that basic idea of eating, of magic and eating, yeah. uh, never quite goes away. And it kind of, it, you, one religion, this is the thing about religion, one religion will poke a, a finger at the other and say, oh, look, you're actually eating this, that, and the other, or you're doing this, and this, but they forget, you know, that the sacrifice is very central to Christianity as well, but they've kind of turned it into this sim symbolic thing. And that, I think that idea of the, the Eucharist, the sacred Eucharist, is actually does come from Egypt. The idea of eating in in as a as the primary way in which you uh, you perform magic. Well, as I say, you go back far, and you also have the other thing of of how you because there's there's either from an Egyptian point of view, the gods themselves like to they like to eat they like to eat people. Right, it's, it's a weird thing again. Suppressed that they they live on, they refer the gods refer to the human beings as their kind of cattle, right? That they keep and they kind of drink their blood. Um, it, this is in the very old strata myth, and sometimes when they, the strange things happen, you get this sort of thing, but a bit like Carly, which is Hathor, where she kind of threatens to eat them all, right, to kill them all, right, because he's kind of angry with them, fed up with animals and kill a lot of you uh, and whatever and say, well, actually, we probably don't really want her to do this. So we kind of think of a way to distract her in some way and they distract her with uh, another type of offering, uh, with a type of beer that tastes like blood. Right, uh, beer. <laughs> it's beer. Beer is the primary. It's a bit like Newcastle Brown. You want to give them something, anyways, that would be like satisfying. <laughs> that's for sure. Like something good. So they have a very strong brown ale, right? Which they made in yeah, drinking vast quantities and still do. 
But it reminds me of a there's a there's an amazing um, artifact they found here. It was like a gold. It was like a ship made of gold with golden sails and golden oars that was thrown into a middle of a middle of a lake as an offering. So some chieftain, some king, or whatever, you know, made this fabulous object of gold and threw it into a lake and you know gave it up and said, "Here, this kind of thing." That. That's huge, but as I say, most mostly what you do with the gods is they is feed them, you know, with the sort sort of things that people eat. Right? Obviously, there's beautiful things that you offer to them, but basically, you feed them with bread. Basic offering is bread and beer. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and the beer, as I say, is the idea that it will come from this very old mythical instant in which they had to distract one of the goddesses from eating people so they gave her beer and got her drunk uh, and she got drunk as one does right the ultimate beer monster and yeah forgot what <laughs> forgot what what she was so annoyed about um so so henceforth they, they if you like they stopped doing the human sacrifice and the whatever uh, what, it, even though that might have been very rare anyway and they you have some beer instead yeah. But in a, there's a sort of memory there. Yeah. Uh, of wasn't, I, I was also thinking, sorry, the virgin birth, that was also Egyptian uh, originally, wasn't it? The virgin birth idea, was it not? Was that not Egyptian? It, 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 apparently that is true, yeah, from from Isis, right, who, um, virgin in the sense that, because she never, she doesn't have any children until Osiris is actually dead. Uh, so in a sense, you could say she's a, she's a, uh, the she is the model of the mother, but she's also a kind of a virgin in the sense that she never really... I mean, Osiris is always dead. <laughs> That's his function. He's always... Well, the and also the, okay, it's the resurrection there as well. Never, never the there. resurrection idea is, um, is Egyptian, right? So, Osiris. yeah. Yeah. The resurrection, apparently so. Um, again, yeah. is, that's obvious from the archaeological record, in fact, that yeah. the very early images of uh, Jesus are shown as an Osiris, a figure of Osiris uh, mummified. And yeah. there are, people had these engraved on little rings, to say, you know. So it's obvious that people made the connection between the god Osiris and who is this, this uh, supernatural entity who, who resurrects. Yeah. Uh, he gets himself killed, and like the John Ballycorn myth, in a way, he's the kind of spirit, also the spirit of vegetation, sort of, or of of trees, uh, right? In a sense, it has to be, yeah. the, the, the 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 has to be kind of harvested at some stage. Put it that way, right? It has to be killed. It all makes sense. Dead has to kill it. So, but the wheat comes back to life. You know, it regrows every year, so you can safely. This model of uh, the fact that the gods can be killed, because uh, other, you know, it's a, knew it. The goddess, our goddess, Neos eats everybody as well, right? But then right. they're born again after se after seventy days. So this 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 cycle process is yeah, it's a very distinctive Egyptian thing. Right. It's kind of fifty percent of their religion really is based around that that model. Uh, oh, so let me just, okay, let me let me ask you a two part question before I before I lose it completely. First of all, when you went to Egypt, like did you openly say I am a, any something of <laughs> something of an, an Egyptian pagan, even though even though you're the British guy, uh, did, you, did you say <laughs> that I'm you know? Yeah. Well, oh. it's a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I was worried about that as well. But you know, the first time I went there, I thought, oh God, you know. Um, you don't know what you don't know what people's attitude to a practitioner of magic will be, but actually, especially in the current world, right, where there's so much extremism, right, uh, connected with religion, you don't know if people are going to get, you know, really upset about it. And, well, I, well, I would just think the fact that you're British would be like, what? How do you? How do well, you I, but no, I. But I say the practice of magic is certainly not. Um, well, okay, yeah. it's not un-Islamic. Put it that way. So they might think you're Alistair, Alistair, Alistair Crowley. Part two. Basically, there isn't a problem, to be honest. I don't yeah, think yeah. Uh, there's yeah. quite an acceptance of it. And, uh, no, they, wouldn't say to you, they wouldn't say to you, why, why don't you just apply the same rules to Wotan or something, which frankly would be fine according to what I would generally believe as well. 
again for apply the same rules yeah 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 it's just the names are you know as yeah, long as no, they have... if you like you can it's a, it's a very magical culture people practice magic all the time and in some some ways the fact that they know you're kind of into that actually liberates people to talk about their experiences um, right. whereas they might think oh you it's more like you're going to take the piss out of me because i'm going to so i'm not going to tell you about the strange things that are happening but once you liberate people from that and say well actually i'm i'm as weird as you are i i'm quite open about this people open up you know and say yeah no strange i'm as weird as you are <laughs> all sorts of uh, magical practitioners who come in and do things oh um, and even 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 the most um you know the most died in the world christian i mean in, in fact even more so will have their own kind of you know, crazy relation and crazy ideas about things like this. That you know, not crazy, but well, as I say, as far as I know, in the in this in this cult that I've been very interested in, did some research on this shamanic cult called the Sar, which is this survival. Um, in order to become part of this cult, you have there are certain spirits. You know, you're possessed by certain spirits, uh, uh, like the jinn or whatever. They don't call it the jinn. They've got it's another system, the pharaonic spirits, right. uh, and they give you certain conditions. But those spirits, they all got different religions. Some of them are Muslim, some of them are Jewish, some of them are Christian, some of them are Hindu, right. Right. Uh, some of them are pagan, right? Uh, and they're all yeah. there. So it's a very whatever the strict religious people think in terms of the folk belief these this is a much more diverse way but yeah. in the end i suppose you can always say it does fall back on the idea of sufism itself which is a sort of very magical we always need a framework you always need a working framework or a model to base anything on let's say if that's the current one but I, that reminds me of the way I, the way i view things is that you can name, you can place whatever labels you want on these things. There are these existent power currents in the world, and you can call them what you want. Say in the world of finance, you may as well call it Mammon, or you may as well say that that Yahweh, Yahweh, you can say exists as a deity. Obviously, he had a huge influence on the world. You know, for good or bad, you can say that he's call him, call him, and label him as a force or whatever. Right? I, I think of it this way. In the same way that the the, um, the Japanese. There, uh, there, kami. There's eight million form uh, versions of kami, and I don't know. I don't know if they've labeled them. <laughs> I just know that they say there's eight million. So they've arrived at this number. Well, it's like spirits in the world, so different kinds of spirits in nature. Well, there you go. I, I think of it. I think of it syncretically. I guess where you can call them what you like, as long, but you preferably you call them something traditional or something that resonates as real, and not just like you know. You know, have all the different places with they have their official religions and views and everything, but then you have this sort of underground and it seems international, which is international really, and has always been there, the magical yeah. tradition itself, and it connects all these different cultures at another level. So without necessarily being getting one idea from another, they're talking about the same reality. Uh, yeah. Secret reality, if you like, and uh, it's, yeah. Now I've always uh, enjoyed exploring that or just talking to people. Really, but uh, so well, I, we should go soon because it's been over an hour. But so let me just ask you then: what, 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 what we, well, we can do it again. I mean, there's many, there's so many interesting things we could talk about. But um, what, what? Uh, let me ask: if you've been practicing magic, what, what would you? Can you give examples of like? Not tangible results or anything, but exactly, but of the influence of practicing magic in your in uh, in what you've been doing in your life. Well, I, I think it's like the kind of yes thing, really. It just is for, for me. Uh, uh, it's strangely to go back to the beginning. Magic is religion, really. It is my religion, so it's not so much a question of results. So I, I've got a clue, really. It's just something I feel. A calling too, really. Um, right. So ultimately, yeah, there's there are the kind of signs, if you like, <clears throat> you know, the things that people do, the magical work in the miracles or whatever. They're supposed to be the signs of progress. I 
God, I don't know. Right, I kind of do, do this thing, but ultimately, it's about some sort of personal journey um, for knowledge, really. So th this is the expression of it. The magic, is, the stuff in the books, if you like, is the expression of what I've learned uh, so far in the journey. That is magic for me. So you don't like base what you're going to do on some kind of augury that you perform. I do. Yeah, of course I do. I can do the whole. When you're a magician, you have to learn all of this stuff. This is the basic skills. The, right. you know, the divination and all the rest but um, right. yeah you do okay <laughs> interesting very interesting but uh yeah i guess we should uh because it, it, this could go on forever so let's let's put it in on that one and maybe i'll i'll um get you on again on a more specific topic like I, i'm very interested in say even roman egyptian roman ver um interpretation of egyptian magic like in the um What's that thing Young was interested in? The, the Mithras Papyrus or something like that? The Mithras Liturgy. That was it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, God, you don't pick some big subjects. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's okay. We can do a whole video on that some other time. Don't, don't worry about that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Which is an Egyptian, you know, that's an Egyptian text, though. Um, oh, yes. and very strange. I kind of hate to go off on a tangent. That is an Egyptian rich, uh, an Egyptian magician devising a ritual for his daughter. Was I it? I was interested in Mithras and said, can I, I, they won't have me, can you work out a ritual for me to become into the mysteries of Mithras in Egypt? Yeah. Uh, and it's completely... Helios Mithras. Hit Mithras, Helios. Mithras yeah. is, 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 uh, is probably is the aspect of the sun, but whatever you've got an egyptian priest who works this out for his daughter and it's got a reputation of being a, a male mystery but by coincidence it's the only ritual that ever survived from the ancient world to do with the cult of mithras <laughs> <laughs> and that is yeah. the lesson almost any tradition you think of the roads lead back to egypt right whatever religion yeah, yeah, yeah. even if it's not an egyptian religion the the source text of it will turn up there yeah it's true yeah, yeah. or it turns up anywhere else anyway there you go yeah, yeah there's no doubt no there's okay. no doubt you're definitely onto something and you've definitely done the right thing <laughs> okay it's true it's true so yeah we'll end it there for now and um i'll i'll, I'll get you on again to talk about something it's that maybe anyways but uh, it's been great to talk to you you're really good well, thanks. Yes, and it's the same to you. So, your books are. What, name your books one more time, and then we'll then we'll close. Well, we've got Egyptian magic, right? Which is a complete system now right. of, of of everything you want to know about magic and religion, really. But we've also stuff you can do. Yes. It's got a thick book actually, and the demonic calendar, which is more like a divination text. Right. Uh, so you can to do with your your personal demon, and those are the two current ones that are kind of. Quite, pretty, quite happy with really yeah great great all right all right mog what's the name mog i've never heard this name mog did you <laughs> mog you're that... in Ireland, but uh, you know in wales oh, did you wales. from wales you oh, know it's names. So maybe you i have heard it I just don't. Always, you never end up with the same name right i'm a morgan you see so you, they always do things to your name in wales Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you start off with, they'll turn it into something completely different. It's probably the same in Ireland. It, it is a crazy, it is a crazy place for one to understand. Yes, absolutely insane. Okay. All right then, Mark. So thanks for that, and uh, pleasure. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. All right. See you.